This is an Equity Mates Media podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Now, that kind of talk this week dragged Australia's share market to a two-year low. There are, of course, complex He was the big spender. The big spender. Doing the grocery shopping can take a huge chunk out of the family budget. And that's finance. Welcome to Super Saturdays, an Equity Mates media series on superannuation, proudly brought to you by Superhero. With recent government changes to super legislation here in Australia, $100 billion of Australians' money is in underperforming super products, and a lot of people are feeling a little in the dark when it comes to their super. Equity Mates Media, in partnership with Superhero, are going to shine a light on the super industry with the aim of making Australians wake up and take control of their super. Over three Saturdays and four different shows, we'll be bringing you all the information you need to help you take more control. So you don't miss it, make sure you're also subscribed to Equity Mates, Get Started Investing, and You're in Good Company. My name's Adam, and I'm joined, as always, by my little older brother and real-life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. Yeah, g'day, Adam. Great to be here on a Saturday. Yes, indeed. All ready to talk super, I hope. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pages of yep. notes here. Yeah. Pages of notes. Well, I'll try and uh, try and make those pages somewhat entertaining for the listeners out there. Uh, we are, of course, your regular hosts of Comedian versus Economist, and we thank you for tuning in uh, to this very special episode all about superannuation. And I think it's really important, actually, because there's been a lot of changes to super recently, and often people don't really think about it enough, if at all. So uh, we're going to look at some of the recent changes, what they mean, you know, what new opportunities might come about because of them. We like to try and give you the bigger picture on Comedian versus Economist. So, um, yeah, we're going to talk about super, what it is, why it's important, and why it might be, Thomas, the sleeping giant in your investment portfolio. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is huge. But before we get into, into the why and the changes and all the, the big stuff that's happening in super, I thought we could go back to basics. Can you tell us what is super, where did it come from? Yeah, so I guess people have the the basic handle on it. So super is something that for most people comes out of their wage job, goes into a super fund, sits there until retirement, and then after retirement, it's used to fund fund their lifestyle in retirement. So that's the, right. the that's the basic over very basic overview of super. I think that's something everyone knows. Hmm. Yeah, but basically, super is a solution to a problem, and the problem historically was that poor people started living too long. Was what poor people started living too long? Yeah, that's where it, that's where it came from. So, <laughs> so right. back back in the olden olden times, if you were old enough to live into your seventies, you were probably wealthy mm. enough to support yourself in that time. Or if you were were poorer, you just moved in with your kids. That's sort of how we did things. Um, but until the late eighteen hundreds, life expectancy started increasing. Um, and governments took took that on. And governments um, in Australia, at least around 1900, 
introduced the age pension. So after Federation, they introduced the age pension where they said, if you live over 60, 65, we'll give you some money to support you in your, in your old age. That seems a low bar, doesn't it? Like if you live over 65, I really, like I'm banking on, I'm expecting to these days to, to make it past 65 pretty comfortably. Yeah. Like, I mean, barring some sort of illness, yeah. um, unexpected illness, tragedy, dare I say, and I'm going to overrate myself. You might, you might but- want to look at your lifestyle a little bit, <laughs> lay off the pies a bit, you know? Hey, some things some things are non-negotiables in this world, Thomas. Pies is definitely one of them. Yeah, it is now. But in 1900, 65 mm. was old, and most yeah, people enough. didn't make 65. And so when the when the age pension was set up as being 65 plus, it w- it was for a very small percentage of the population. The government was mm. a bit like, yeah, we'll just fund everyone over 65 because pff, what is it? 10 percent of the population is going to get there. <laughs> they might have two good years left after that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> we can cover it. Yeah, and so like, and so now, so that was set back then that retirement age. But now the the great majority of the population reaches that sixty five threshold, and then a huge number of them live for thirty, forty years after that. Maybe not forty, but you know, like for a long time after that. So funding retirement. So you know, we used to have a very short life expectancy after retirement. We didn't, mm. we didn't live for very long. So you didn't need a lot of money to fund retirement. Now, relatively, retirements are very long. And right. so the government's sort of looking at this and going like, oh, that's a, we're on the hook for a lot of money here uh, and it's only getting worse. I mean, they, they could use our taxes that we've paid our whole life to, to pay for some of it, you would have oh, thought. Hey, hey, easy, Hugo <laughs> Chavez. <laughs> I mean, we've only worked for we've only worked for forty five years, paid thirty eight percent taxes or whatever, and come the end, now you're finished. Or well, you can I hope you've been putting some of your some of the money we didn't take. I hope you've been putting it away. But I mean, that's not the only thing. Taxes, taxes have got to fund everything else the government does. True. Oh, they're good to us, aren't they, Thomas? <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's, it's not like they were rolling in cash. And then, but it's like it's a big shift, you know, over the last one hundred years at that level. It's a huge shift in in life expectancies and the the, mm. the bill that the government's got to pick up for funding funding everyone's retirement. So there was so there was a push then to sort of push this back onto private citizens. And like so, superannuation as a as a financial product has been around for a long time. Like you could always go and and you know, start stashing money aside to come out at a, at a later stage of life. You could, that, w- that was always available to you. But what mm. we saw, it's sort of in Australia, it happened in the 80s with the Hawke government, is that, that then they set up a super system where it came directly out of wages into superannuation funds and actually started, the, the initial start was with, the, with part of the accord, is they wanted to give workers a pay rise they wanted to give them a three percent pay rise but inflation was running a bit hot and they're worried that inflation was going to get away from us um and so they were worried that if i gave everyone a three percent pay rise they'd all go out and spend it and that would fuel further inflation more inflation yeah right so the agreement that they came up with is it will give everyone a three percent pay rise but Mm. we'll tuck it into a super fund and they can't access it until they retire ah so this isn't right because this is a big kind of misconception at least on my part is super is always part of your sort of salary almost you know like it's this kind of part of the package or Mm. part of whatever your employment condition is but you're saying it didn't used to be like everyone had a salary to begin with Mm. and they're like look we really want to give you more money but we're worried that you'll just go and blow it um 
you know, or do whatever, but mm. ultimately push up inflation. So instead, we're going to take the money we were going to give you and and make you make you save it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How'd that go down? Uh, it worked. People were happy with that. Yeah, I mean, I think people, you know, some people would have liked the cash, but the unions were able to say that they got a win. They got a three percent pay rise, which is pretty decent. Government was able mm. to say that they weren't fueling inflation. Everyone was pretty happy. And it forced people to save the money too, you know. Yeah, well, it's, it's like it set up a new yeah. a new sort of, dare I say, paradigm, Tom, one of your favourite words. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it really was. A lot of things came out of it. So, yeah, the initial agreement just covered award workers, so people on mm. the award system, um, probably about like a third of the labour force or something uh, at the time. And and that also created the industry super fund. So though that money went into industry super funds. So you you got two in Australia. You got two super funds. You got the retail guys, which is out of the, the for profits out of the financial sector, and then you got the industry super funds, which are the not for profits based around certain industries. So yeah, they they were born out of that that period, and it started at three percent three percent contribution. Then three percent. Mm. It's just gone up to it's just gone up to ten percent. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Something like that on its way to twelve. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a moment. But um, you left out self managed super funds. So we've got retail super funds, which are run by sort of uh, banks yep, yep. and investment firms, and they run as you say for profit. So so the profits that they make, they sh- they take a, a cut of those profits and then they give those back to shareholders. Then the industry funds are more like you know they run not for profit, where everything goes back to support the members. Mm. Um, but then there's also self-managed super funds, which I think that's – I don't know a lot about them, but I think it's only for the brave, really. <laughs> like I had a quick look at it before and I watched a little video on the ATO website and it said something like you've got to keep documentation and maintain records for over 10 years Ooh. and I just thought, you know what, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> that is <laughs> – like – Unless you're like enthusiastic about admin, I just feel mm. like self-managed super funds might not be for you. Mm-hmm. Because, well, I mean, and that's a lot. A lot of that's changing, right? And and mm. we talk about changes happening with super, and one of those things is about having more options to control your super now. So it used to be certainly when I started, you know, which is probably twenty twenty five years ago. Super was just a thing where you just put your money in and you hoped that you had money when you retired. You might have had mm. like three options. There was like a mm. low risk, um, balanced, and then a, a sort of high risk, high growth option. But there's mm. a lot more options now without necessarily going to like a self-managed super fund. Yeah, yeah. No, that's right. Yeah, super super's really followed the the finance industry in the sense of the opening it up and, and making it a much more customizable experience. Mm. Um, and the, the technology's just empowered that. Yeah, and I think yeah, it was the super funds were on a pretty good wicket for a long time in the sense that it was a mandated contribution. Like it, you know, came in as like it came in mm. the awards in the eighties, but then in ninety it became compulsory for everyone working a sort of wage and salary job. This is amazing. We can't convince people to wear wear masks on the train. <laughs> 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 I saw people on Facebook today, they're up in arms because someone recommended we should, in South Australia, we should be wearing masks on public transport. This is an outrage. <laughs> and it's like, well, okay, we'll have to go back a few years to when, when they told you you had to hand over 3% of your money into <laughs> superannuation. Um, and that was mandatory. Yeah, so I was curious though how it went down at the time because by today's standards, mandatory or compulsory anything seems like that's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, 
It was there was no real opposition to it. The the unions were backing it. The finance industry liked it because it was guaranteeing money coming into them to, for to manage funds, uh, the infrastructure development. Like it was great for sort of in, for funding infrastructure and a lot of development of the Australian economy because now there was this mm. huge pool of money that was investing for long time horizons because it's all super. So it's like mm. you know building infrastructure with a twenty year horizon is like a no brainer for a super fund. Yeah, so like it, it, it created a lot of capital for that. Mm. Yeah, so it was a lot, a lot of winners and no real lo- – the only real losers were if you wanted the money now to spend on stuff and you found it was getting locked away and you couldn't, you couldn't access yeah. it. But it was still your money at the end of the day, so, you know. True. That's hard. That, that was hard, though, for 20-something me to, to understand, mm. to be like <laughs> – be like – you know what i'm earning this it's a bit like tax though you know people i feel a bit the same way like with tax it's like what well, i have to I, as soon as you start earning you realize you see your first paycheck and it's like whatever it is a thousand dollars and you go wow i got a thousand dollars like well 30 percent of that's gone straight away to tax you won't ever see that Mm-mm. and then and then super as well so but i think forced savings is a good thing i think so and i think that's that was sort of like one of the lessons, and I think I think it's true. Like, if you have the money, you just tend to spend it. I mean, I definitely notice this being self-employed now. It's mm. really hard to make make money go to, into super to like to at all <laughs> make money. It is hard. It's tough times <laughs> being an economic consultant. It's true. It's tough times. We're the, we're the unforgotten. We're the forgotten victims of of the Australian economy. <laughs> economic consultants, yeah. but no, like you got you got to like. You got to set it aside. You got to put it away. You got to you know do the paperwork. You got to line mm. it up with your super fund to let them know you're going to put some money in. I'm the opposite. I was I was really lucky. Like I've I've sort of always been in salaried jobs, I guess. Mm. But I, I spent like 20 years working at different universities, and mm. Uni Super, which is an industry fund, who I was with for a long time. They at the time unis like it was 21 percent that went into super by default. 21. Um, wow. Yeah. And so I was wow. like early 20s working at a uni and at that age started putting in 21% until I realized that that was just the default setting and 7% of that was actually optional. <laughs> so, <laughs> so mid-20s, I got a, a nice 7% uptick in my take-home pay, uh-huh. of which I can safely say I, I held on to none of. <laughs> so if I had access to the other 14%, pretty confident that I would also have none of the other 14%. Mm. But 14 was still good, right? It was mm-hmm. still above what the super guarantee was, which was, um, I don't know, mm. probably 9.5%. So... So yeah, I had a sort of very different experience. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a bit. I mean, you're the perfect case of like, and it's it's kind of a lifestyle thing. It, it's hard to think about your retirement when you're 20. Mm. Like, it just seems like it's forever away. Ah, oh, totally. Um, but you know, I'm glad I did. Like, and that was that was. I got to thank Mum for this. Mm. Right, Mum gave me the advice. She's like, go like high growth early. Like, you mm. should have a look at it. Go and see what it's what it's doing. And you're young, and this not financial advice, obviously, but you're young. Go and put it in like high growth because mm-hmm. you will be able to ride out the peaks and troughs. Yeah, and and it should grow. And through the 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 wonder that is compound interest, mm. it'll it'll turn into something something pretty good. And you know, with a sort of high rate of, you know, high percentage of the salary going in. Mm. Yeah, I think it's worked out. It's worked out fairly well. But I reckon a really good thing too is. We often think about cash, but you know, especially at the moment in a really low interest environment, cash is is worth nothing. Like it's, mm. you know, potentially inflation is going to grow faster than cash. So, having that money invested over all those years, 
seems to me in hind- uh, you know in hindsight it definitely to make a lot more sense imagine if i'd just taken that and put it in the bank oh yeah Oof. Right. um yeah. disaster so was that a consideration do you know at the time when the government was bringing in super and they they gave it to these funds who then invested it or was it initially like a we're just going to hold on to it for you so you can't spend it and we'll put it in the bank uh, or yeah, I don't know about that. I'm pretty sure it was always invested. That was always the mm. idea. They weren't just sitting on it. It wasn't... I mean, yeah, there's a lot of regulation around super funds. They've got to do certain things like, you know, hold a certain percentage in cash and liquid assets and, mm. and you know, invest in certain asset, like, risk classes and things. There's a lot... It's regulated. And they are pretty, you know, slow and steady and stable. They're not, they're not out there looking for, like, 20% per year returns they're looking for you know pretty stable stable sort of returns mm. yeah but i think i think it, that was always the always the thing and and this and it's sort of like this is a huge uh social shift that it sort of engineered in the sense that it made everyone an investor everyone became very interested in in the share market and what equities were doing because yeah, it now had a bit. Now, they were now invested. They were now in the game. And you remember back to like nineteen eighty three, it was very difficult to invest in shares. Yeah, definitely. I wanted to buy Apple at the time. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, you, yeah, overseas <laughs> not shares. Not about it at all. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not everyone could be a share investor. It wasn't just opening up an app, a, a superhero app, and away you go. It was a big, big story yeah. and a process and. So super sort of made that happen for for people and got people into the share market and you know then became people became very interested in what happened to shares and I know people now though that still don't kind of make that connection they don't they still yeah, not right. they still don't kind of realize that they mm. just think super is just this place where your money goes people I know uh, that yeah, right, I right. know people that work in the IT industry mm-hmm. that don't know their login details for their super fund <laughs> it's like <laughs> <laughs> Go. Oh, I didn't. I didn't write it down. That's what I do with. <laughs> no, you never write down your password. No, but you know, like, that's just it's not because they never set it up. They just like, oh, I set it up ages ago. I set it up when I started work. Um, I didn't really. And I just mm, like mm. some people. I reckon wouldn't know who their inv- who their super is with. Um, if they did, they probably haven't logged in in a long time to see what it's doing, how it's divided. It's probably mm. just in the balance portfolio and. I mentioned at the top of the show, there's like $100 billion of Australians' money in underperforming super products. And mm. they're, they're products that are kind of right down the bottom. That's where you've got all, you're putting all, you're putting money in. If you think about it as like yeah, yeah. dollar cost averaging into your investment portfolio, right? Yeah. Every week or every fortnight, you're putting a bit of money into your into your portfolio. Yeah, yeah. You want to be knowing how that's performing, surely. Like you don't want to be. I think yeah, I think people just don't don't get that that super, they think super is a different thing, but super is just a, a managed fund that it's yeah. that, that you have to contribute money to. And so the question, yeah, there's a big question of like if you if you've got a manage you have a managed fund, someone has money that they're managing on your behalf. If you have super, there's mm. someone managing your money on on your behalf. So you really want to know, like, well, are they doing a good job of managing my money on my behalf? Are they getting good returns? Um, but yeah. And there's a lot of other things coming into it now too. Like, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, I know in my super fund, there's a lot of, there's like sustainability options and mm, things like that. Mm. Like if that's what's important to you, you can go, well, actually, I don't want to just invest in, you know, I don't know, big coal mining companies, for example. I want to invest in renewable energy companies. And so you can start to take even more control over 
the types of companies that your super is invested in and you can there was i read this there's one super fund i forget which one it was gives you the option of like 145 different etfs that Mm. you can put your super into Mm. like self-managed super fund is 10 years of paperwork and document maintenance or you could go with you know something like that where that's a pretty granular level of control of your super so it's definitely changing, that's for sure. I mean, yeah, that's right. I mean, when I started at the bank, yeah, you had you could you could only adjust it every quarter or something, like mm. where your money was going. And even then, it was like, yeah, as you're saying, broad, high growth or conservative or whatever. But yeah, but now, like, you can you can change it every day of the week, which you did during the GFC. I year. adjusted mine about fifteen <laughs> times during the COVID crash and rebound. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly would not recommend. Would not recommend. <laughs> I did so well in the early days with my uni job, putting money into uni super, and then COVID came, and I thought I'm going to day trade this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So let's talk about a bit about the changes. So mm-hmm. um, the super guarantee is increasing. So mm-hmm. it's gone from 9.5%. Um, the first increase, which was 0.5%, just happened, and that's taken it to a super guarantee of 10%. Um, we're going to keep chipping away at this until we get to 12%, which is the target. Is that right? I think that's right. Yeah. 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 I'm not big on the numbers, but yeah, that's the idea. We're, we're increasing the guarantee. You're only an economist, Thomas. You, you leave the numbers to me there, fella. <laughs> so what's what's driving that? Why is the government why did the government kind of decide it's the it's the right time to to push that up to twelve percent? Yeah, it's a, it's I'm not entirely sure about this. Like I don't know what mm. the sweet spot is in terms of like what the optimal rate of super guarantee contributions are. Like and it's not something that's modeled by economists that I, that I've seen. I think people think that it more more is better. Generally, mm. saving more is better. You, you you know you have more in retirement. I think that was the idea. People retirement's becoming more expensive, so people need more. Maybe a lower interest rate environment means that returns are growing at a, at a smaller rate, so you need need to inject more earlier on. That might be sort of part of the logic, which is all well and good. Mm. But doesn't that then come at the expense of wages? I mean. The money's got to come from somewhere. And it depends on your contract. So with that recent increase in the guarantee, there's some mm. workers in some, with some contracts where that would then come out of their take-home pay. So they don't actually get mm. a pay rise. So there, there's nothing in that increase in the guarantee that means that people are going to get a pay rise. It may mean right. it may just mean that you get more taken out of your salary and your take-home pay is, is goes down as a result. And there, we are seeing that happening with some people. Right. Yeah, so yeah, that's something to watch out for. Like if you know, if your your take home pay goes down, that that could be the reason why. Yeah, right. I think does it come down to does it come down to like I heard something about if you're on a package that includes super, then maybe it's like yeah, kind of it, it is going to come out of your take home pay. I think some yeah. companies, by the way, are are also just ma- just making the decision to kind of go look, we're going to wear it, even though technically we could yeah, make this come out of your pay. We'll 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 we'll. we'll chip in the extra 0.5%. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's, it's good in the sense that it's, it's happening at a time of a competitive jobs market. So there is more incentive for, for firms to wear and go like, okay, we're going to give you, hey, hey guys, we're giving you all the pay, right? We're just going to bump your salary up with this. Yeah, so that, that I think that's definitely happening. But I think it just depends on the contract you have with your employer. 
So I've heard about I've heard something about stapling. I don't know what stapling is. Can you t- explain stapling to me? Yeah. So this was the uh, one of the one of the one of the things they came out when they reviewed Super when the Productivity Commission reviewed Super a couple of years ago is that they found that there was a lot of people had multiple Super funds set up with money right. money in multiple funds, uh, and because each each fund's charging you fees, it's a really inefficient way to you know you really don't want your super distributed across three different funds. But what mm-hmm. they and they, when they looked into it, and the, the reason why is that every time someone changed jobs, the employer had a preferred super fund that they were working with, and so when you changed started a new job, they just your employer just set you up with your super fund and said this is this is the super fund we use, this is your account, and this is where your super's going. Mm. And then, and it was up for, up to you then to roll your super over from your previous super into your new super, and people just weren't doing it. And so, particularly in like sort of hospitality sector and that sort of thing, where people are changing jobs pretty regularly, people could end up with like you know four or five different super funds that their mm. their money's at, and they're all each fund is charging them fees, and so it's a really yeah really inefficient way to do that. So, the government said, okay, we need to try and put a stop to this. So, what we're going to do is staple the fund. To you, so your the first fund that you start working with that's stapled to you. So if you then change jobs, your employer the default setting has to be that they start paying super into the fund that's stapled to you, not into their it's not their choice anymore. Which is good is good if you if you luck onto a good one, <laughs> the first employer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you get a good good super product with your first, and even one. even more reason, I guess, to to wait. You know, as we say, wake up and and have a look at what super funds you've got. Hopefully, you've only got one. If you haven't got, mm. if you've got more than one, then maybe have a look at what you can do to consolidate them into one. Because yeah, like if if you've only got one and you get that when you joined your first, you know, you got a casual job serving coffees down at the local coffee shop. Mm. They put you on into a super fund that that the one that they use. Want to have a look at that and make sure that it's you know it's right for you. Mm, mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to make sure it's performing, and, that, and that's the other that's the other big change that's coming out now is that the ATO is going to name and shame underperforming super funds. So they're going to really, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're going <laughs> to. Oh, this sounds juicy. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> right. To what end? Just a just a shaming exercise. <laughs> General shaming. Yeah, just yeah. <laughs> Throw some rotten fruit. <laughs> At the fund managers, no, just just to, because because it was it was a bit of a good wicket for the finance industry because it was mandated contributions, uh, mm. and particularly with the retail funds, the fees charged people just didn't really know what they were paying for, and there was a lot of fees and things attached to their super. This is what the Productivity Commission found that there were some high fees there and fees for stuff that wasn't really you know anything and historically the, the finance industry has really relied on people finding finance too complex to really deal with and you had a lot of things like came out of the royal commission a lot of fee for no service like this idea that all these fees for things that people didn't actually receive any benefit from mm. uh, and with super fees really eats into the performance of your of your super and so to sort of the idea with these this legislation is to just try and bring that out into the light and to if your super fund is underperforming the benchmark by a certain amount, I think it's like 0.6% or something like that over six years, like if it's consistently underperforming, um, then it gets named and shamed. And so that, that should encourage uh, the super funds, one, to perform better, so to make sure like after fees that they are delivering good results. 
Um, mm. But if they don't, then it should encourage people when they see in the paper that their super fund's been named and shamed to be like, ah, she maybe I should just roll it over to somewhere else and you know do it, you know take take more control of it. Um, yeah, and so it's sort of like knowledge is a great disinfectant is sort of saying like that like <laughs> you know just yeah. to sort of like open that up and bring it into the light so that so that, that sort of it's a regulation sort of philosophy like rather than saying regulating the super funds directly say you got to do this and you got to hit these benchmarks it's just be like you do what you want but if you underperform we're going to let people know about it i heard that it was um the default one of the one of them was the default super fund of the afl players association in the footy right um, so yeah, they're kind of a lot of. The <laughs> mm. That's what you don't want to do is upset a bunch of like, you know, burly AFL players. <laughs> they find out that they're living. I mean, you know, they they probably doing all right. Like, I think their their salary is not too bad compared to the rest of us. But um, still, you know, they, their career is arguably a lot shorter in the AFL than it is mm, <laughs> for, um, for for most of us on a normal sort of mm. salary job. So. All right, so is that, are there any other trends that we kind of want to be keeping an eye on when it comes to super? Uh, probably probably the one that's interesting, I think, is the, there's a few MPs now on both sides that are talking about releasing super for housing deposits. And right. Yeah, so kind of the idea, like, if super is, is there to set you up later in life, hmm. probably the key thing these days, probably less so when houses were, were cheaper uh, relative to incomes, but particularly now, if you financial security in retirement really hinges on home ownership, like you can you can survive pretty comfortably on the age pension, which isn't massive internationally, if you own your own home outright. If you're still renting, then you're in kind of trouble. Like the age yeah. age pensions are not going to go very far, and so there's sort of an idea emerging that what you really want to be doing is. If you're talking about you know securing retirement, then you want to get help people get into the to the housing market and get their own home. And having money locked up in super, if they don't have a deposit, isn't isn't that helpful? And mm. if super is just money for the future, then you can kind of make the argument that a deposit is money for the future too. It's not you know it's not discretionary, irresponsible spending. Mm. So we should you know open it up for yeah well i think if you if you can if you can choose from 150 etfs <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like because it's like surely it's about it's a kind of it's a bit of a risk thing isn't it like it's about kind of going we don't want to we don't want to let you we want you to put money away for the future we don't want to let you sort of you, you can't you can't use super to buy crypto or anything like that mm. So a house fits into that kind of asset or real estate fits into that asset class of pretty safe-ish, do you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, it's relatively. as safe as a, as a ASX 200 ETF, for example. Yeah, I think you could say that. Yeah, I mean there's, there's sort of, yeah, there's a lot to sort of Although iron you can't, out with that. you can't have a party and trash your ASX 200 <laughs> ETF. <laughs> oh, I'm giving it a crack. <laughs> There's there's uh, there's a lot to iron out with that, um, and to make sure people are investing in homes and setting themselves mm. up. But I, yeah, but I think it, there's there's a growing sort of push for it. I think the the finance industry might push back on it, but it's it's something to watch. I think you know it's it's not it's not happening this year or next year, but you know maybe down the track that could be something to watch out for. Mm. And so that's different to what happened with COVID when. The government said you can have access to ten thousand of your super, mm, mm, mm. but that was just to help 
people through yeah. COVID, help help pay the bills, pay the rent, that kind of thing, wasn't yeah. it? That wasn't about setting it, you know, that was kind of no, just no. Le- yeah, letting people dip in, I suppose, to... Yeah, yeah. No, that's right. That's right. Though, yeah, I mean, a lot of my mates raided their super and plunged it into crypto. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's how that worked out. <laughs> Lessons, lessons learned. Yeah, lessons learned. Lessons learned. <laughs> don't, don't plunge your super into crypto if you if you should if you should be able to access your super mm. uh, for whatever reason. Strongly advise you not putting it in crypto. All right. Well, um, feels like a good night to finish. Hopefully, by now we've been able to help you wake up and feel like you can take more control of your super. For more information on how Superhero are giving Australians more control, head to superhero.com.au. Thank you, Thomas, for your insights as always. Thank you. We'll Adam. see you again next time on Comedian vs. Economist. Comedian vs. Economist is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Comedian vs. Economist are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Comedian vs. Economist acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.